Secure in hope. <clears throat> Do you ever get fed up? Do you know what I'm talking about? You just flat get fed up. Things don't go right. People don't treat you right. Circumstances don't do right. You're giving it everything you have. And after a while, you just say, I'm just tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody out there with me? Sure, we understand that. <clears throat> the message is entitled Secure in Hope. And the key text is out of Isaiah 40, verse number 31. But those who hope in the Lord will what? Okay, let's pause. Those who hope, another word is trust. Those who hope, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. So if I'm fed up, I've had enough, I can't take it anymore. Here's what he says. Renew your hope and your trust in the Lord and he'll renew your strength. He says, they will soar on wings like eagles, and they'll run and not get caught. Amen? They won't get weary. And he said, they'll walk and not what? They'll not faint. We all know that scripture, and we understand it, and we know that it's biblically correct. There are moments in all of our lives that we feel helpless. I mean, helpless about circumstances as it relates to relationships, helpless as it relates to financial planning, helpless as it relates to, okay, uh, if, you, if you look at America today and you think, wow, you see all this going on in the political arena, it just seems like the spirits of darkness seem to rule. And sometimes you feel helpless. As one of the staff members said to me today, Pastor, it just feels like that some of the political circles say that they can and be law in New York, that you can abort a full-term baby. But he said, we almost feel helpless as a church, you know, as to what we can do, what, what action do we take that just thwarts that. And I said, we, we can pray that no matter what it looks like out there, our hope is in the Lord. It's not in my politician, not in my senator, my congressman, it's not in my church, but is in Almighty God. Amen? Because you see, this is not, this is a little yard talk, this is not his first rodeo. Y'all with me? It's not the first rodeo of things happening. Well, you look and I say, boy, there have been times that I felt hopeless. And what did that feel like? Hopelessness is a scary feeling. It'll send you into a pit of depression. It'll cause you to freeze as it relates to any forward movement. You'll begin to identify all the wrongs, all the ails, all the difficulties, as opposed to saying, boy, there, there is an answer. There is a solution. There is a God, and he is on his throne. We know if you look at the news this week, I am appalled at more and more things that you see on the news of things that are happening in the lives of individuals who killed their own family members, their own babies, their own, their own relatives, things of that nature. And I think, wow, that is unbelievable. How is it that supposedly in a society today in which we live that, that we don't do things like that? But you know why? A part of that is the enemy has sold our culture on hopelessness. 
The enemy sold our culture on you are your own answer to your problem and your solution. Our, our culture has been sold a lie by the powers of darkness, not to mention that the primary source of darkness, the enemy himself, is seeking whom he may devour and to kill and to destroy what is hope. If we're going to have that hope, but those who hope in the Lord, it's looking beyond the problem and placing your trust in the Lord. Here's what I know. Try this out. Put it on your Facebook, on your Instagram, wherever else you want to put it. Put it on your mirror there in the bathroom. It is this. God has a covenant with you that can only cease to be effective when you fail to trust. So it's no easy thing just to say, I don't trust God. It's no easy thing to have lack of faith, but this is what he says. You violate the covenant of God. You violate his provision when you decide to just walk away, no hope in God, no hope for this situation. Then pray tell who will be the cheerleader in the circle of influence of your friends. Who's going to be the cheerleader in the darkness of those that you know and love unless you say, I don't get the privilege to take the low road. I get the honor of taking the high road and presenting truth in every circumstance and situation. So we have a verse of Scripture. Here it is. Take a note on it. Proverbs 3, verse number 5, the message version. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Let's read it together. Are you ready? On three, let's go. Three, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Say amen. There it is. But I'm only human. It's hard to do that, Pastor. I mean, it's just hard because I'm a, I'm a work it out on my own. Well, let me give you the good news. Until you can learn to shift that to God, God will keep sending you mountains after mountain after mountain until you can learn to say, i got to put that over on the Lord. So you can be a victim of your own decision. You see, Peter is writing in the main text of 1 Peter 5, in verse number 10, he's writing, many of the believers have been in this writing of 1 Peter. He's writing, of course, and as a result, because many of the believers are being burned alive because they would not, they would not retract their faith. Their hope was in the Lord. Their strength was renewed unto death. They ran the race, as the Apostle Paul says, he ran until the end of his life. As it relates out of Isaiah, Peter now writes and says, hey, these guys are individuals, though they're being burned alive, they will not walk away from their faith. Why? 1 Peter 5, verse number 10, here's what it says, In, and the God of all grace. Let's read it again. And the God of all grace. The God of all grace. What does grace mean? That you get a free ride? 
Does grace mean you get a free pass? Are there, are there uh, uh, consequences as it relates to the lack of God's grace? Or is there a cost involved when you get the grace of God? Here's what we know. Grace, joy, and favor all come from the same thought in Scripture. And let me share it with you. Number one, grace is initiated by God. He sent His Son. He had grace on you and me. Joy is initiated by the Holy Spirit. That is the joy of the Lord, the Spirit of God. So we have grace, we have joy, and then we find favor. Who gives us favor? The one that's making intercession at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, the other part of the Trinity. He says, I choose to give you favor. Now when you come to the understanding and say, trust Him from the very bottom of your heart and don't try to figure it out because He already has a plan to give you favor. But don't violate the covenant by trying to figure it out yourself. Don't do that. So here we go. A boy stood defiantly. I love this little story. He's a little 12-year-old, and uh, he's mean as a snake. You ever seen a kid that way? Mean as a snake, boy. And I mean, he gets in trouble one after another. He's been in the principal's office. By the way, how many of you ever had to go to the principal's office when you were younger? Come on, get them up real. I want to see the heroes of faith. Here we are. Wonderful. I'm surprised at some of you. But I also understand how some of you act these days because you never had to go to the principal's office, and you should have. It would have done you a whole lot of good. But I was one of those who who did have to go to the principal's office. I know that's hard to believe, isn't it? But he was defiant. He got into a fight. The teacher out on the playground brought him into the principal's office. This kid is something else. Principal walked out, asked the teacher, what did he do this time? And the teacher said, he's fighting. Principal said to him, son, said, you were fighting again? Yes. He said, uh, well, who did you fight with? He said, Tommy. He said, what did you do to Tommy? He said, I punched him in the nose and then pushed his face down in the sand. You did. Well, now, what are you going to do? What are we going to do with you? And the kid said, I don't care what you do with me. Well, what did Tommy do back to you? He looked at me wrong. I didn't like the way he looked at me, and that made me mad. Boy, the teacher is about to flip out. She, like some of us in this room, wanted to help that child understand. How many of you know, and it wasn't send you back to the sandbox. I know it's a generational thing. What are you going to do? The usual, the kid said. The teacher said, absolutely only more severe this time. The principal just told the teacher, get the belt. Get the belt. The kid stuck his hands out because the procedure was take the belt and slap them across both hands. Several, several times, that's the punishment teacher got the belt the principal took the belt the kid stuck his hands out and said you ain't gonna hurt me 
the principal took the belt from the teacher and turned to the little boy and say, put your hands down. Handed the belt back to the teacher. What is it, 10 licks? Teacher said, yes. Hit my hands. The teacher just barely strapped across the hands of the principal. The principal said, as hard as you can hit, hit my hands. He told the boy, you count one, two, three, four. The little boy began to tear up. Five, six. The little boy said, I'm the one that did it. He didn't do anything. Seven. By this time, the kid is crying and can't stop crying. Eight. Stop it, he says. Nine, ten. The principal's hands are red and beginning to swell. And he knelt down in front of the kid. He said, son, I have assumed your punishment for you. Because probably for the very first time in your life, you have witnessed what it means to have grace. Unless you learn that lesson of the power of grace, you'll continue misbehaving as you've always done. Little boy reached his arms around the teacher and gave him a hug, or the principal. And the principal knew and the teacher was amazed that what he had just witnessed was a different type of correction. And it was the correction of love and grace now listen how many times should we have had our hands out we knew we missed it we knew we were wrong we knew that we'd become arrogant we knew and jesus stepped in and said let me take your place that's unmerited grace. If you're grateful for the grace, put your hands together and let's thank him for that grace. Paul writes, I understand the power of grace. I understand the power of hope in 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. So here's what Peter's writing there in the fourth chapter of 1 Peter. And this is what he says about the times that you and I suffer or things go wrong and we take the grace for granted. Here's what he says. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But he said when things don't make sense and when you've decided to walk away from the covenant because you feel mistreated, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed and here's what I know there is nothing that will ever happen to you no shortage no challenge no problem no difficulty but if you stay true to the covenant God said I'll bring glory out of it some way or another but you are an intricate tool for that to come to pass he goes on saying 
in verse 19, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Thy will be done. Lord, I want to walk in your will. I want to walk in your way. And here's what I know. When you make that kind of commitment, have you noticed by now that sometimes God's will for you does not lead you to the land of milk and honey? Sometimes God's will for you leads you against the same wall you've been up before. Sometimes God's will for you, my friend, will take you to the pit. Sometimes God's will will take you to the gallows. Sometimes God's will will take you to a shortage of finance. Well, I think what I've been hearing about being preaching from the prosperity guys, well, let's take a look at what reality is. Have you noticed that most of the prosperity preachers live like kings? And where do you live? Well, I don't sure live like a king, even though I'm a king's kid. I don't have guards at my door, five or six limos in the driveway. I have to get up and go to work. Anybody out there help me? I have to get up and go to work every single day. I have to sit down at the checkbook and be sure we got enough money there. And tax day is coming. And I'm hoping to get a refund and find out, man, what about me? Are y'all with me out there? I'm talking to you about life where it is lived in your house and in my house in our community. So we know my grace is sufficient. So God, if your grace is sufficient... And I believe that. And I reached that place in which God's will seemed to have taken me to a place that, wow, I'm going to have to have a little talk with God. Here's what happens. Rebuilding is a process. Rebuilding is a process. Peter writes, 1 Peter 5, verse 10, And the God of, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, after you have suffered a little while, he says, will himself restore you. Say that with me. Restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. How many of you feel like you're better off today than you have been in a lot of years past? May I see your hand? Just better off. The journey gets sweeter every day. Amen? Little challenge become big challenges. And there you have it. And the grace or the God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, even though you've suffered a little while. So you look at that and say, my hope is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. My help is in the Lord. And God, I've hit the place in which I need to rebuild your world's caved in. Divorce slapped you upside of the face. Business went down the tubes. Financial reverses there. Hey, how about this? You already don't have any money, and because of all the rain, your roof starts leaking like a sieve, and you invite somebody over to take a look at the roof, and they said, that's going to be fifteen dollars to $18,000 to repair your roof. And you're saying, where am I going to get that money from? And calling 1-800-ASK-GARY is not going to do you any good. 
Any of you been there? Are you there? It's amazing. I've shared this story probably many times, but some of you are new. And Sharon and I were just married, and I, I had some life insurance. And, and it was one of those debits that about twice a month they'd come out of the house and, and pick up the, 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 the money for the premium. <clears throat> and uh, we were in a little rental deal, and we, we, we had no money. I was in school uh, at Southeastern, and... You know, we looked out the window. It was Saturday afternoon, and and up up drives the insurance man. Now he knocked, and knocked on the door. And I thought, just keep knocking, buddy. Sharon says you've got to go to the door. I said, no, you're the helpmate. You go to the door. I went to the door, prepared to tell him, we don't have the $10 for the premium. And I opened the door, opened the door, and he said, hey, Wayne, how are you doing? He's a good Baptist brother, went to First Baptist Church in Frostproof. He said, you know, I was driving by. He said, and I guess the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And uh, he said, I'd, I'd like to give you a little money. And he gave me $25. I stood there just awed by that, thinking, Sharon, you wouldn't go to the door and the blessing you were going to miss? <laughs> Listen. I know that's small. You with me? I know that's small. But the God that I serve, hallelujah, is, is concerned about the small things in my life as well as the great. And have you noticed that if you stay true to the covenant, trusting him with hope, he always delivers. But he says now, now that you're suffering this little testing of your faith, now that you're, you're kind of up against the wall, I can, I can do a little rebuilding. And rebuilding hurts. Hello? It hurts. I'm reminded of one of the stories that took place. And Dave Trevecki, who was, um, uh, had a comeback with the San Francisco Giants, he, he was the pitcher of the All-Star Game, the National League Championship in the World Series in '88. And uh, the doctors, after that, removed a tumor from his arm and told him that he'd probably never pitch again. And as a result, his arm was deformed-looking because they had to take out some flesh and some muscle. And David made his mind up, I'm going to stay with the trainers. And he had a family that encouraged him, and as a father that continued to encourage him. And I mean, he's in rehab every single day. Not only that, rehab in the, in the gym there and in the team room and stayed at it. And finally his arm got and he started pitching after about seven or eight months. A year later, August 10th, 1989, he found himself on the pitching mound again, pitching against the Cincinnati Reds. It was his first game. The stadium was full. 
because Dave was a loved person of his baseball team. He walked out. He got on that mound and took back and took his ball and looked and did his head like every good pitcher does and reared back. How many know what that means? That's a yard tall, reared back and fired a pitch right across the plate and struck out several batters to the degree that he received 12 standing ovations during that game and won it all because he said, they said, I don't have the potential or the ability or the muscle to be able to rehab, but I believe if I get out there and try, I can in fact rebuild. And so what I'm trying to suggest to you, as you look at your situation, there may have been losses. There may have been circumstances that you cannot control. But listen, hope is the ability to look beyond the situation and the challenge, and you can see the promise. But getting to the promise and the fulfillment of the rebuild comes in an involved decision of discipline, of your time, your faith, and your trust. God, here's what I know, God always has better. And if he takes you here and you find up, you wind up down here, let me tell you, I told someone today, the most exciting part of your life is yet ahead of you. Somebody say amen. The most exciting part. How will that take place? When I start believing it, I start trusting, I start putting in the time, and I confess that with my heart and my mouth. Here's what I know. It will happen. And here's what I know often, that the 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 journey is seldom known as we make that path in the comeback. We just don't understand it. We just can't get there. My brother had one knee done here a couple months ago, had a knee uh, replacement, and then uh, about eight weeks after that, he had another knee replacement, and so he's in rehab. I mean, going for it. His first knee, when he got back after two weeks of surgery with his doctor, the doctor put him in a chair, and uh, he said, I want you to push that knee back as far as you can go. And my brother went about this far. And the doctor took his foot and put it against his foot and pushed his leg all the way back this far. My brother said, Bob, that's what he calls me, he almost killed me. I thought I was going to die. And he said, you won't ever get the privilege to do that again with me. And the doctor said, I won't have to. You can do it on your own now. And if you expect to have your knee working like it needs to work, you'll learn to get to the place that you get it that, that far back. Here's what I'm telling you. Sometimes it's difficult getting healing. Sometimes it's difficult filling up the bucket again. Sometimes it's difficult watching the bank account rise. Sometimes it's difficult getting over the hurt and the pain. Sometimes it's difficult to forgive people. But here's what he says. If you do that, God will rebuild your future and give you something better in your future than you've had in your past. Can you help me preach tonight? It is the absolute truth. These people, these people were dying because they would not recant their faith. Do you know how tempting it would have been just to say, hey, I recant. I just don't, I don't want to die. 
I don't want to die. Sometimes we don't understand the path. And we'll sell ourselves short unless we stay to the end. Little boy lived out in the country. He was a little hick guy. It was in 1860. Circus was the greatest thing in the world. And school one day, the poster came up that the traveling circus was coming to town. Boy, he ran home, told his dad the circus is coming to town. He was working hard as a little boy, 10 or 11 years of age. And asked his dad, can I go? And he said, son, you know that we don't have that kind of money. But let me see the poster. He looked at the poster and money was there, what it cost. He said, I'll tell you what, boy. He said, you get all your chores done and work a little extra. And Saturday morning, if you've got your chores done, I'll give you the money and you can go see the circus. Well, you know, that motivated that kid. Isn't that the truth? He got it done. He's standing there in his Sunday's best. He's going to the circus. It's in town. It's about two to three miles, which in those days was nothing. Was nothing. He got there, had his little bit of money in his pocket, saw stirring and saw people standing on the side of the road. And he thought, this is the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, I know some of you helicopter moms are saying, how in the world would they send that boy to town two or three miles without an escort? The answer is, they didn't worry back then about all the things that we go through today. It was just a part of their life. He got there and people lined up and all of a sudden he heard the bands. And he thought, wow, the band came by, the caged animals came by. It was unbelievable. The midgets came by, those walking on the stilts came by. He was awed. His mouth was wide open. It was unbelievable. And not long after that, the clown with the big old eyelashes and the big old shoes came by. He was the last thing coming as they headed into town. The little boy walked up and gave the clown his little bit of money and said, that was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And before the clown could say anything, the boy ran off and went back home. The problem was this. A little boy had only seen the parade. He didn't know that there was a circus after the parade. Listen, don't let the enemy sell you short just because you see a little bit of movement of the Holy Spirit. Stay tuned. Trust God because I'm here to tell you the circus is coming to town. Amen. And it's the move of the Holy Spirit. What principle is there in that? It's the upper room experience. It's the upper room experience. Go to the upper room, stay there until something phenomenal happens. Five or six hundred showed up. 120 stayed. All the others left. But boy, howdy, when the Holy Spirit fell, it was unbelievable. Finally, here's the point. You go through the rebuild. You put your trust then here's what happens. 1 Peter 5, verse 11. 
To him be the power forever and ever. What? Amen. To him be the power. You see, God wants to use you. He wants to do things through you. He wants to treat you with favor. He wants you to trust him. And I want to encourage you, some of you may not have a lot in your bank account, but in your trust account in heaven, you've got more stored up for you than you could ever imagine. You won't be able to count what God has in your trust account in heaven for all of eternity. Peter sums it up by giving the purpose of any and all difficulties so I want to share a few with you. Those difficulties are all opportunities to bring glory to God. So things fall apart. Opportunity, bring glory to God. So here's what I'd like to suggest. Being positive in a negative world glorifies God. Trusting God when you cannot see the end glorifies God. Being faithful in a faithless, self-serving world glorifies God. Falling down, but then getting up glorifies God. Being committed with the evidence of sacrifice always glorifies God. Facing your fears with nothing more than a heart of faith always brings glory to Almighty God, the God that we serve. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory of being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What does he say? That you may look through a glass that might be dark. But listen, if you stay true to the covenant of Almighty God, know that He is transforming you into that person that will be worthy of spending eternity in heavenly places, sucking on heaven heavenly air, enjoying heavenly music and eternal worship at the throne room of Almighty God. And God's getting us ready. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Finally. Why run from an enemy who does not have the power to overtake you? Why run from a force that is only there to scare you? Why allow the enemy who is a liar? Why allow him to influence the direction of your path? There is a God. He is Jehovah. He will direct your path. He will guide you if you choose to stand strong in the day of adversity. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for that moment. We praise you and we honor you. In South America, there is a flower that uh, is always inclined to, to go in one direction. And if you travel across the prairie there and go into areas, it doesn't matter how hot the sun gets. It doesn't matter how much it might rain. It doesn't matter 
how hard the wind might blow for these plants doesn't matter. If you get out in that prairie, here's what you know. You may not have a compass. You may not have a path that will tell you what direction you need to go. But if you remember one thing, that those plants, no matter what the circumstance, no matter how hard the wind is blowing, no matter how hard the sun is shining, no matter how much the rain beat them down, give them just a little bit of time and they will always fall toward the north. There may be those moments when you say, I don't know which way is north, south, east, or west. And God's Holy Spirit may speak to you and say, when you don't know which way to go, just be still and know that I am God. And I will give you direction. I will light up your path and go before you and behind you. Hang tough. My security is in my hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand to your feet, everybody. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Just really put it together. Thank you, Lord. Now we praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Look this way. Some of you may say, well, boy, I'll just, I'll, I'll catalog that message next time I'm up against it. And I'll, I'll remember it, you know, Pastor. I don't really need it. No, let me tell you, you need everything that comes out of this pulpit, friend. Because here's what I know. The devil's not backing up. He's not going to shut up. But here's what I know. Neither is God. But here's what God. We, have you noticed this? We pursue God. Amen? We are to pursue God. That's what he says. Come near to me. Come toward me, I'll give you rest. Seek my face while I can still be found. And here's what often we do. We, 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 we have these bucket loads of challenges that are aggravating. Some of them are not big old deals, but just little aggravating things. And we just put up with it and put up with it and put up with it. To, to the place we begin to think that that's just the way it's going to be. Listen, your present is no resemblance of what your future is. You must get out of that mode and say, oh boy, howdy, what I'm going through, there must be something really big that God, you can be the biggest fisherman. What'd you catch? Oh man, I mean, just this big. That's what God says. It's all there for you. So let's just bow our heads. And ask everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Those of you that are online, we welcome you. We're going to ask you to repeat it. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are my Savior. You are my Redeemer. You are my Comforter. I trust you. You are my hope. Father God, direct my path. Lord Jesus, Keep your hand on me. 
I trust you to take my life and use it any way you choose. And I'll be glad about it. So here I am. Use me now as I honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Here's what I know. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. Maybe you've just kind of been inching away from God. He loves you enough, my friend, to give you a message like that and say, here, come to me. If you come to me, I'll touch you. And maybe you're in the room tonight and you say, buddy, somebody said to me, you must read my mail. No, I just try to listen to God. And God reads your mail, though. Amen? He knows every thought that goes through your head. Hello? He knows that. So if you need prayer, here's, here's his plan. This is what he said to do. He said, any sick, you got a problem, you come on down. Let us anoint you with oil. He said, that's how I work. That is the formula. Follow me. He told the lepers, go show yourself or go dip yourself. But have you noticed every single time, if they followed what God asked or what Jesus asked, they were healed by the grace of God. So I invite you to be obedient to God. We'll sing this song. We'll wait on you. And then I'll give you the benediction. Stay with us. Would you do that? Here we go, everybody. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Amen. How many think we heard from the Lord tonight? Amen. I believe we did. By God's grace and God's mercy. Sunday morning, miracles. We will talk about the presence of God. The presence of God. Here's what we're going to say. There are times that you think and may think, God, you let me down. You stepped out away from me and you let that happen to me 
you let me go through that and I feel like you let me down. Well, here's the question. Was God's presence and protection still there? The point is this. He sees beyond the present moment and is committed by the simple truth, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And my hand of protection will rest over you. So that Sunday morning, Sunday night, bring some friends. Let's enjoy. Let's don't be filled with apathy. Let's let the Holy Spirit rule. Amen. I love you, everybody. Shake hands with two or three people and tell them, you know, if you can, without telling a story, that they look good. And uh, God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Receive.